I want to read a few of my brother's words. Go for it. I expect him to say amen. <laughs> a couple months ago, Pastor David introduced us to Deuteronomy because he really felt God was speaking to him, to us. He said, I've called you to a walk of faith. Then he was talking too fast and I missed some words. <laughs> but he introduced us to the book of Deuteronomy because it was a book from transitioning from wandering, from wandering to invading, to inheritance, to overcoming. That is the destiny of each of our lives. To inherit what God has promised. To overcome in the territory that he is taking us to. But see, it's not an overcoming on our own strength. And as Pastor David has been preaching and teaching, the book of Deuteronomy is the book of remembering. And, and God was continuously saying, I brought you out not because you are such a great nation. You're actually a nation of slaves. That's not so great. I haven't ca called you out because you are so righteous. There was nothing special about you that I called you out. Remember, it's all about me, is what God was telling. And all the remembering, all the remembering always brought us back to God. Not to us. Not to our specialness, although we are special to him. And today, as, as, uh, as da Pastor David has been preaching, as I've been kind of reading, and last week I talked about remembering, and I, I understand Justin is going to be preaching in the fall sometime about the testimony and about remembering. Listen to my message. I heard he's got lots of notes. But, but as, as this last couple months, I've, as I've just been preparing and thinking and meditating on God's word, I find this tension, and I want to talk about it today, the tension between purpose, the tension between the promise, because they're not the same. Purpose, promise, and too often... As human beings, we get the two equated. For instance, God's called me to be an evangelism, um, an evangelist, and that's the purpose of my life. No, that's not the purpose of your life. That's the gifting, that's the calling, that's the ministry, but that's not your purpose. And the children of Israel, as they were leaving Egypt with this promise ahead of them to, to take it, to inherit the promised land, they got the promise mixed up with their purpose. And that's why God continuously was reminding them, there's nothing that special about you as a nation. It wasn't your righteousness that got you out of Egypt. It was my mighty hand. Remember all my signs, all my wonders, all my miracles, because it, it wasn't your might that overcame the enemy. 
And they, they tripped over the promise, even to the point where they rejected God. They rejected the, the report of the two spies that were positive, and they accepted the negative. They got to the point where they said, well, we're going to make it happen on our own. And God said, don't go because I'm, get this, I am not with you. And they tried to do it on their own strength, in their own might. And the Bible actually says they acted presumptuously, which means they acted in their pride, and they were defeated. And as I've just been thinking about this, the, the idea of what is our purpose compared to what is our promise. And we need, I, I wrote down, this phrase, we need to peel back the layers because God does call you with a calling and God does have plans and purposes. But the ultimate purpose of your life is not your ministry, it's not your talent, it's not the giftings, it's not your career, it's not the education. That is not your purpose. The purpose Listen to this. Revelations 4.11. Thou art worthy to receive all glory, all honor. That's what the hosts of heaven. For thou hast created all things. And listen to this. And it's for thy pleasure that we were created. We were created for God's pleasure. His delight His enjoyment. And too many people get wrapped up in the gifting, get wrapped up in the promise. They leave God actually out of the equation. All the stars, all the incredible businessmen that you can see on TV, on the news, they've got a gifting and a calling that God embedded in them. They just left God out of the equation. And what happens when you leave God out of the equation is they get to the end of their road and while they had an awesome career and they made lots of money and they entertained a lot, but their life is unfulfilled. And actually, if you watch the news over the last few years, many of them take their lives in the middle of their success because they're not fulfilling their purpose. They've taken the gifting, the promise, the ministry, the calling, and they've made that their purpose. And when that fades away, there's nothing left. And person after person, people that, and I, you know, I hate those little news shows called like Entertainment Tonight and all those things. It's because all, all they want to talk about are these people, all these entertainers. I just, it just irritates me. Sorry, that's just a little pet peeve. I don't care about them, really. And they make a whole news program about these people. They're, they're called stars. And yet, and yet, they're successful. They exercise the gifting and the calling. And yet their life has no purpose. And they kill themselves. Why? Because they, they've missed their purpose, which is a relationship with God. Even pastors and ministers... They burn out 
They give up. I've heard, read, been reading stories about people just giving up on their faith. Why? Because they got so caught up in their ministry, in, in building this empire of a ministry, they've left God out. And they've left the, the part of pleasuring God. And they burn themselves out on their own, their energy, their time, their, their mind space. They're so focused on the, the ministry. God gets left behind. And they quit. They give up. They even commit suicide too. Why? Because they, they, they've lost their real purpose. And they've placed their purpose into the promise. And throughout Deuteronomy, what is it? Remember my word. Remember the testimonies. Remember my commands. Remember my principles. And pr it's remember me. Remember me. Don't get caught up in your own success. And he even predicted, you're going to get prideful. Because you thought you did this on your own. You thought this was your strength, your might. When really, God said, I conquered. I overcame the enemy. And all you had to do was walk in. Literally taking over gardens they didn't plant. Moving into homes they didn't build. And yet, they get so enthralled with the promise. They forgot their purpose. And then they turned to other... Turn, turn to other gods. I, it just baffles me. Solomon. Solomon in all of his wisdom. Wow. He let his heart get turned from his true purpose. And it wiped him out. Tore his, the nation apart. Deuteronomy 8. I don't, is the, the projector working at all? No, it's not working. How many of you brought your Bibles? Woo! You know that paper thing that sits there? Pastor Nelson walked in the door and his battery was dying on his phone and he said, the word's about to die. <laughs> Let's get back to paper. Amen? Got to paper. Deuteronomy 8. We'll just start at verse 1. Because I only got through three verses. Last week I, I uh, preached on verse 2. It says, all, in verse 1, All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you. Remember God. How he led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Listen to this. That he might humble you, testing you. Why? To know what was in your heart. And he found out what was in their heart. And he predicted it. And it came true. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse 3. He humbled you. And let you be hungry. And then he fed you with manna. Which you did not know. 
nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Too many people, they get wrapped up in the materialistic aspects of life. And when it says, man shall, shall, does not live by bread alone. The so, what the word live means there, the source of your life. The source of your life is not bread alone. is not materialistic things. is not what you eat. It's not what you own. The source of your life is literally the word of God. The source of your life is God himself. The word giver. And too many people, they'll get wrapped up in the territory they're going to. And they leave God behind. And this morning I want to just talk a few minutes Purpose. Purpose. Purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Why do you exist? First, foremost, it's all about relationship with God. Because when the career fails, you get fired, you get laid off, your whole world crumbles if your purpose is in that career. I, I love soccer. I was, I was good at soccer. But you know what happens when you tear your ACL? That's out the window. My son, who was a really a hardworking basketball player, I remember... He, he wanted to go to college, university, and he wanted to go pro basketball. And one, one day he went, played some soccer, and he tore his ACL. And he came home and he thought his life was ruined. Why? Because he built his whole purpose for living after basketball, after some career. And when that got taken... He literally felt like his life was over. And I remember the conversation. He came home. And we wrap our whole meaning in the promise or the gift or the talent, the career, when our whole meaning for existing is to bring him pleasure. To bring him pleasure. And throughout Deuteronomy, it's always remember, remember, remember what? My word, my commands, my testimonies, what I did, what I, who I am. We heard it this morning. It's remember who I am. Because all these other things can fade. One of the, as I was just thinking about this, one of my, there was a song a while back, it says, when the music fades, 
and all is stripped away. You simply come. What do you have? It's you. You don't have the electric guitar, the drums, the piano. You don't have that. It's you. There's a, st- <laughs> There's a story. It, it's not a true story. It's just a, a funny story. Made-up story. This guy is a mob boss. And he had three underlings that owed him a million dollars each. And the mob boss died. And at his funeral, it was an open casket. And all three of them were kind of lined up to pay their respects. And the first guy had a briefcase, million dollars cash in it. Puts it in, the, it puts it in the coffin. Second guy, briefcase, full of million dollars cash, puts it in the brief, puts it in the coffin. The third guy's carrying a briefcase. He gets to the coffin and he opens it up and he writes a check for three million dollars and takes the other two briefcases out and said, You ain't gonna be able to cash it where you're going. <laughs> But that's life. It's not about your talent. It's not about your gifting. It's not about your accomplishments. It's not about... It's about who God is and who you are to him. It's amazing. What did Jesus say in one of his parables? He said, you know, they'll come and say, Lord, I cast out devils in your name. I did miracles in your name. And what does he say to them? "Uh, Who are you? (laughs) Depart from me because I don't know you. I'm going to get too carried away here. I got to move. Deuteronomy 4.20. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession. That's their purpose. Told Moses, go talk to Pharaoh and say, let my people go so that they can become a great nation, so that they can inherit their province, their promise. No, so they can come and worship me. Exodus 6. Moses having this debate with God about, he's not really qualified to do it. He's, but this is what God said to Moses. Then I will take you. This is what, this is the message that Moses is supposed to give to the people. I will take you for my people. That's it. That was purpose. I will be your God. And you shall know that I am your God who brought you out from under the burdens of Egypt. That's it. That's a purpose. You're created for relationship. That's bottom line. You got to peel the onion back. Too many people never get or understand their true purpose in life. And they think it's about the great job, the great career, the great talents. And they wrap their life around that. And when it's gone, I've already said what happens. 
Why do we want to know God? In order to conform to his image. To become more like him. Second thing. Okay, I'll give you his passage. Romans 8, 29, real quick. For whom he did know, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. Deepen your relationship. Why? To get higher on the ladder? No. To become more like Christ. That's it. Do you realize the more you become like Christ, the more you're here, your hearing is in tune, and the higher you go, and then you'll actually have a good foundation to support the success. Get to know him. Why? Because you want to become more like him. Why? So that you have a good foundation for your success. And, and if there's... The, I'll get to that later. If, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's working in our lives. Why? To make us successful? No. To make us more like Christ. More like Christ. Second thing, know God deeper. Why? In order to become persuaded of his faithfulness. Because on the way to the promise, there are challenges. And if it's all about you, you're going to wipe out really fast. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. Nevertheless, I am, I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able. The deeper the relationship, the stronger the faith. Faith is the substance, is the is the substructure, is the foundation of your obedience. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the foundation for which, for the, for the confident expectation of the promises being fulfilled in my life. Faith. Faith is, not my talent. Not the gifting. That's not the foundation. What is? Faith is the substance that'll carry you through to achieve your confident, your hope, your confident expectation. What is a promise? A promise is an expectation that what somebody said is going to happen. That's what a promise, it's an expectation. Somebody comes and makes a promise and declares something, says something, writes something, and now you have an expectation. You have a hope. Where, I, I wrote this one down, this phrase down. The expectation or the fulfillment of a promise cannot be separated from the credibility of the person 
who made the Evaluate the credibility of somebody making you a promise. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> and God cannot lie. His word is sure. His word is true. His word lasts forever. His word is backed up by himself. So what he promised. Well, listen to this. Abraham. Romans 4.21. Abraham received a promise. <laughs> And humanly speaking, absolutely no way it's going to happen. But listen to Abraham's thought process. It says, Romans 4, 21. And Abraham, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Why do we... Get to know God better? Why, why does our relationship with God need to be the core of everything? Because that faith, that faith, first of all, makes us become more and more like him as we get to know him better. But second, it persuades us. It builds a conviction in us. It builds the conviction so powerful that when the dream seems dead, Pastor David said this morning in the holy huddle, he can make things that are dead come back to life. What, what did Abraham, Abraham was so fully persuaded of who he knew that God asked him to sacrifice, like kill his son Abraham was asked to kill the promise. But you know what his testimony was? I, I, God may ask me to kill him, but he'll just bring him back to life. That's how persuaded. That's how deep. That's how deep he was with God. That, okay, God, you're asking me to sacrifice my son. The promise. Kill off the promise. But his thought was, okay, well, God will just bring him back to life. Wow, that is powerful. What keeps you stable when nasty winds are blowing? The beautiful voice, the mind that works like, wow. The career that pays couple hundred grand a year is that what's going to keep you know the rich people you you can talk to them and and you know money can yeah sometimes buy some happiness and buy some distractions but you know what you talk to them and they'll say that's the, doesn't matter how much money i have i don't have peace no joy my life is falling apart my marriage is falling apart. my kids are going crazy it's not it's not about any of that does God want you to be successful? Does God want you to inherit the promises? Yes. But not apart from him. <laughs> he literally says it. He says, I'm not with you. Don't go. I'm not with you. 
when we deepen our relationship with God so tight, it takes us through the storms, through the challenges. When, when Jesus gave the parable of, of the sower, it says that the persecution came, what, because of the word. <laughs> the person, you get a promise, you have a gifting, you have a passion, it's going to get challenged. It's going to get challenged. And what keeps you stable, sane, peaceful through the challenge? Your relationship with God. I'm going to read some of my points real quick. Pitfalls of equating your purpose with your promise. You have mistaken identity. If our, I'm just going to read it word for word, or else I'm just going to get carried away. And you're going to be here for another hour because I, and everybody's saying, read, read, focus, focus, focus. If our identity is found in the promise, then if there is a delay or if there's a failure in achieving the promise, there can be substantial damage to our sense of identity and self-worth. Where is our, self -ident our identity, self-worth significant? Where is it found? It's found in God. But too many of us find it in our gifting, our calling, and our career. And again, when that gets wiped out, our whole sense of, of self-worth gets flushed down the drain with it. If there is success, the damage can come by way of the pride and the self-importance. So that's what happens. Mistaken identity happens when you, when you equate the promise and the, your purpose. When our identity is built around the promise, it becomes about our performance. Strap your mind around that. I, I, I remember, oh, yeah, this, this is going to get really personal here, but I remember I, when I first started worship leading. Okay, so now you got to think, this is 30 years ago. So Joshua, Olivia, Vanessa, Vanessa was born, but she couldn't play the piano yet. So... <laughs> So all the current musicians that you see here operating, doing an amazing job, didn't exist. They were just a twinkle in Pastor David and Pastor Winona's eye. <laughs> so I was a worship leader, and I was the drummer. So when I worship led, there was no drummer. And sometimes there would be no bass player, and sometimes no guitar player. There was a piano player. And I remember... I had some amazing worship times. And then, one didn't go so good. And there was a door that leads in the, the old church. There was a door that led out the back of the stage, the side, so I didn't have to walk through the stage. I walked out the side, and I just started crying and crying because <laughs> I failed. <laughs> I was in my early 20s, so it's... 
But that's what happens when our identity is, is wrapped up in the gifting or the promise. It becomes about the performance. And if the performance was lousy, then I'm lousy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was very poorly timed. <laughs> you, you were one, one line late, Pastor David. <laughs> Second pitfall of equating the purpose and the promise. Our time is misdirected and our energy gets misdirected. We can spend considerable amounts of time and energy in achieving or attaining the promise to the detriment of that relationship with God. And as a result, we burn out, we black backslide, or even turn away in disillusionment. Because all our time, all our energy was into building something. And when it gets washed away, we're disillusioned. We're disillusioned. Priority for time and energy must be placed in building the relationship first. So that whether success or failure, our anchor will always be attached to a proper foundation. Because I guarantee you, even the people that you see that are successful have downtimes. And if you're not anchored securely to Jesus Christ, that downtime can be really down. Third, pitfalls of equating purpose with a promise is you misplace your faith and your trust. When we achieve, when we achieve or we succeed based on our own efforts or mistake our success as based on our talent or education. We can tend to swing over to the pride side and we can attribute the success to our talent, gift, or education. Man, this guy's wordy. Well, <laughs> and our faith can unwittingly be placed on those natural things. And sooner or later, those natural things will run their course and fail us. The knee gives out. The voice gives out. Something gives out because that's what happens. But if we don't have the foundation in the relationship, we're in big trouble when all that other stuff fail, falls apart. If we fail based on our efforts, we can suffer crushing blows to our self-identity. I already mentioned that. And even point fingers at God and, and others. We start pointing fingers because our, our faith was placed either in a human being or in ourselves as a human being. And sooner or later, us human beings make mistakes and we'll disappoint you and you'll get offended. And our faith and our trust must always be anchored in God himself, the promise maker, the gift giver. The passion giver. Place our trust, our faith, our time, our energy. Place our identity. All of those things. Place in him. And that'll keep us true. That'll keep us safe. 
That'll keep us anchored. That no matter the storm, no matter the success or failure, that won't matter because we'll still have God. I remember when I, we started youth pastoring, Pastor Brenda and I. And uh, we had it on Monday night. And we'd have a great time on Sunday. And then Monday was just, oh, just felt like a failure. Like, who's going to show up? What am I going to say? All, all these things, this crisis, this crisis all day Monday. And I was just, I would go through these various times. And uh, always came back to, God would say, you know what? It's not really about them. It's not about them. Although I love them, and you need to love them <laughs> and be kind to them and, and try to be a good pastor, uh, it's not about them. It's about, we always need to come back to, okay, God, I'm the youth pastor. Why? Because you called me. Because you're building me. You're forming me into your image. And bottom line is my relationship with you. Whether two kids come to that first time at Pizza Hut. Do you remember that, Cora? You and Vanessa. You and Vanessa. Boston Pizza. Two. Two kids. The first time. So it doesn't matter whether it's two. It doesn't matter if it's a single guy at coffee time with you. Single guy or single girl, whatever. One person. Doesn't mean it matter if it's five or 15, 25. Doesn't matter. That's not the bottom line. The bottom line is, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to do above and beyond what I ask or think. And throughout Deuteronomy, it was, remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Remember that you're special to me. Not on your own. You're, you're, not, you're not righteous. You're not good. You're going to fail, actually. You're going to forget about me. I, I just amazing God. That he already knows. And yet he, he carries them through. And he lets them into the promised land. And they inherit houses they didn't build. They walk into gardens they didn't. They get to do all that with God knowing they're going to forget about him. And turn away. It's like, all those things don't matter. It matters about you, God. You and God. And Deuteronomy is full. You don't live by what you see in the natural, but you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Such a powerful declaration. Guess who else used that line? Jesus, yeah. Jesus used that line. Don't, Satan tried to tempt him with the natural. Natural hunger, natural desire for success, fame, money, career, husband, whatever. Natural, natural distractions all over. Jesus said, no, man should not live by bread alone. But we live. Our source of life, our source of life comes from the very word of God himself. And how do you get to know that? 
you get to know him. I remember we did a, a course. It's, it was understanding the will of God for your life. And there was a statement. I want to know God's will for my life. And I, I would take that phrase and eliminate every single word except for know God. Because when you know God, you know the way. You know the truth and you know the life. You know the source. You know the one who empowers. You know the one who gives success. You know the one who promotes. When you know God, spend your time, spend your energy, spend every waking moment. It says, blessed is the man who delights in my word and who meditates on the word day and night. He will be the tree planted by the living water. He will bear fruit in his season. His leaf never withers. And get this, everything he does prospers. Why? Because of the word. Delighting in the word. Getting to know the word given. All about relationship. And in Deuteronomy, God kept pointing back. I'm going, in front, in, I'm going before you to prepare the way, destroy the enemy. I'm going to be behind you, and I'm going to be walking with you. Remember, it wasn't about how great you were. It's about how great I am. My time is up. This morning, this morning, God is saying, do you really know me? Do you really know me? This morning God is saying, I'm calling you closer to me. Find your delight in me. Holy Spirit right now is tugging at your heart saying, yeah, you need to go deeper. Go deeper. Go deeper. You know, when you go deeper, I'll make those other things work out. And if, even if they don't work out the way you thought or hoped, I'll still give you peace through it. I'll see. I'll make, I'll make you see the benefit of taking the harder route. <laughs> I've had some situations in my life where I thought, hey, in two months, all roses. No, it wasn't quite that way. Two months came and and it was another bunch of rocky road. And yet, as I took time to pray, to seek God, to be a delight, I walk, I walk around the auto mall, not asking God for anything, but just saying scriptures over in my head, talk, actually talking out loud. I just walk around, quoting scripture, being a delight. And then you know what he says? He goes, yeah, I know it's not going to be as simple as you thought, but you know what? You're going to learn lots out of this. <laughs> and I, I literally laugh. I laugh. Why? Because God knows. God knows. I said, but God, you know, that your word says, blah, blah. and God says, yeah, I understand, but, but you know, you're going to be stronger. You're going to be stronger at, once you get through this one. 
you're going to be stronger. You're going to know more. You're going to have greater wisdom. When you get through this. By the way, he says, are, are you working on this? <laughs> I'm like, I've been too busy, Lord. <laughs> well, you know, you need to get this done. You need to get this thing put together. Finish this study. Finish this book you've been... Wow. He delights in us. You were created for his... Be a delight to him. Take your time. Take your energy and put it into him and see what else happens. Amen? Amen. How many of you want a deeper relationship with the Lord? Amen? That's all that matters. It's all that matters. Let's all stand together. Let's just open our hearts. I met, I had coffee with a young man. Doesn't, he's not here, doesn't come to our church. I just, and he's not really serving God right now. But he grew up in a Christian home. And I just said, you know what? Change one thing. Do one thing. This coming week, do one thing different. Just do one thing different. That'll change your relationship with God. Read a book. Read the Bible. Have a little quiet time. Listen to some godly music. Do one thing. One thing to change the trajectory of your relationship. One thing. Just do it and do it. Then try to be consistent with that one thing. Even if it's just reading one scripture verse, memorizing one scripture verse, whatever it might be, do one thing. Do one thing. Take one day this week, instead of listening to what I call crappy music, listen to some good Christian music. One day, on your way to work or whatever, wherever you do, do that just once. Change, change the ordinary. Do it one time. Do one thing. Just do one thing to change the trajectory, the direction of that relationship. Because that's, that's, where, that's where life is found. We, we heard it this morning. That's where your life is. Do one thing. Do one thing different. Amen? Amen. Let's raise our hands this morning as we just make this commitment. Lord, we commit to you this morning to grow our relationship with you. No matter what level we may think it's at, the greatest or kind of non-existent at this point in time. But Lord, this, this week, I make a commitment to do one thing to grow, one thing to change that relationship. One thing that will make me think about you just one more time this week. One extra time. Lord, our desire, our desire is to know you more. Knowing the great plan, the great future, the great promise that you have for our life. Desiring to walk in that plan and in your purposes. But I will take this time to grow my relationship with you. Knowing that you make, you'll make up the difference. Lord, we make this commitment to you this morning.
We make this commitment to you this morning. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. God keep you. God make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.